Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Rattled and Shook is released weekly, every Thursday, and brought to you absolutely free. But if you want to listen ad-free, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get exclusive bonus episodes. For more information, check out the show notes. Now, enjoy the episode. And now, presenting Rattled and Shook. You're going to start the podcast with a cough drop in? Mm-hmm. Bold. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Hi, I'm April. And I'm Meredith. And this is Rattled and Shook, a podcast where we tune into scary stories and discuss our deepest, darkest fears. But in a fun way. <coughs> <laughs> April's sick. She wants a little pity. Yeah. Feel bad for me, everyone. <laughs> No, they should feel bad for me because we've had to do this intro a lot. <laughs> We're going to get to our first story. Do you want to tee that one up, April? Yeah, let's play our first story. And uh, just a warning, it is a bleak one. It's probably the darkest story we've had. I think it's the darkest story we've had. And I think it's the longest story we've had. Oh, yeah, it is. By by a good margin. Mm-hmm. So buckle up. Strap in. I'm sweating. When I got out of high school around 2003, finding a job was difficult. So I took whatever horrible jobs I could just to get by. When I found a job cleaning fire and water damage full time, I was excited to have some steady income and start saving. But this quickly turned into a nightmare. One day, my boss called me into his office and told me about a special crew that he was setting up and asked if I wanted to be the crew leader supervising three other guys that were just hired. I found this a little strange, as I'd only been working there a total of three days, but uh, figured my work ethic was already paying off and I would get a raise. The boss told me what tools were best to use, what cleaning products worked best to sanitize, along with where everything was located in the van, like hazmat suits and respirators. But he was vague about what kinds of things I'd be cleaning up. 
He just said the situations were always different and I would get detailed instructions with each job. But he also told me that I would never see the deceased, as the coroner would always have the remains gone by the time my crew got there. My first job in my new position was cleaning up the remains of an elderly man or woman who died in their house and had been laying in the chair. When we arrived, the coroner had me come inside to show me a few things that were considered hazardous material and needed to be removed due to the risk of disease. Not only was the deceased still in the house, but it was fully visible to me, and you could smell the rot through the masks as the house had no air conditioning. And this was mid-June. I was trying not to look too long as it was very disturbing. The other three guys I worked with handled it well, but two got sick from the smell and had to go outside to puke. We all waited outside after the coroner showed us the chair, the fluids that leaked onto the carpet, and the basement where the fluids went through the subfloor and puddled on some boxes. The coroner's support arrived and took out the deceased, and me and the crew started working. After about five minutes, some weird things started to happen. The first of which was when I began to dissemble a chair. I had removed the back of the chair and was putting it into the special hazmat bags I was given. The base of the chair started to rock when I was about 10 feet away, putting the bagged back of the chair by the front door. Nobody else was in the room. I brushed it off and took apart the base of the chair, but when I got it into the bag, I got a chill up my back, and then began to feel very sick. I just figured it was due to the shock of what I was cleaning and I pushed on. Even so, the chill was strange as I was very hot in full hazmat attire in June. Next was removing the carpet and assessing the floor to see if it would be able to be cleaned. I called the boss to ask him and he told me just to pour the special cleaner on the area to soak it into the floorboards and it would be fine. So I got it out of the truck and brought it inside. When I got inside, all three of the guys that were down in the basement were scrambling to get out, tripping over each other. When I asked them what was up, all three of them said someone was down in the cluttered basement. They assumed it was a homeless person or a junkie or something. Detroit has many issues with these kinds of things. I listened at one of the open windows on the outside of the basement. When we start working, we air the place out. Open any window possible, prop the doors. Maybe someone got inside then and was hiding. After listening for a few minutes and hearing nothing, me and another one of the workers went inside. Armed with a mag light and a piece of metal fence posts, we searched the basement. Nothing was down there but the footprints of the shoe covers we were using. But when we started up the stairs, we heard a horrible hacking cough coming from somewhere in the basement. When we looked for it, there was nothing. But the corner of the basement had a bunch of dust stirred up, like someone was moving things. We called the guys back in and they got back to the boxes. But all of them kept feeling like they were being touched while throwing away material from the boxes that had fluids on them. I went back upstairs but found that the cleaner I put next to the floorboards was gone, and I clearly remembered it being set there. 
I began to take out the trash, figuring I would find it eventually. And then I found it. On its side, behind the bag that had the back of the chair. You see, this is impossible. There were like six other bags in front of this one, near the front door. And this was a gallon bottle of cleaner. Again, I got a chill. I cleaned the floorboards and removed the trash. Job complete. But that night, each member of my crew had a dream about an older man telling us that we were not welcome in his home, touching his belongings, and that we needed to leave. We all talked about it and came to the conclusion that we were all just having a reaction to the situation. It was nothing more than our brains coping with what we had to do. I'm very into psychology, so I rationalized it the best I could, and we hoped for better assignments the next day. The next few jobs were not so bad. I thought I was getting used to the job as well as the other guys, as we had no further experiences like that first job. But we were wrong. We were called to another gruesome site. Thankfully, the coroner had already removed the body, but it was still a mess. We started in the basement. While I was cleaning, the power to the lights went out, and it was completely pitch black. This was strange because my vacuum was still on and powered. Then, my crewmates started screaming. I shut off my vacuum. I I thought maybe he touched a wire to the lights. I started fumbling around for my flashlight on my tool belt and yelled to my friend, asking what was going on. But all I got back was more panicked screaming. Then, I saw, in the pitch black, something darker that was moving in my direction. And I will admit, I freaked out. I slipped, trying to back up, still looking on my belt for the flashlight, and only found it when my back hit the basement wall. I turned on the light, aimed it at the darkest shape I have ever seen, and when the light turned on, I saw the shape of a man with a beard, wearing a flannel shirt, and an expression on his face like he was about to attack me. Then, it was just gone. My crewmate was behind where the entity was, sitting on the floor, rocking with his hands on his head. When I approached, he picked up his flashlight off the ground and turned it on, then ran up the stairs, ran outside, and threw up. I followed behind him. I thought maybe I had just imagined the entity because of my friend screaming. He told me that he was scrubbing the wall and felt something pulling on his tool belt, and he thought it was me. But when he turned around, the lights went out, and he was engulfed by what he said was like dark smoke, and he immediately could not breathe and was struggling to move. He took an early lunch where he just sat there, pale as ever, and didn't say much other than he had breathed in that smoke and didn't feel right. I got him some Gatorade and his color started to come back. I never told him I saw a man when I turned on my flashlight, because we still needed to finish the job. When we went back in, the lights in the basement were on again. My coworker stayed for another half an hour, got sick again, and went home for the day, leaving me alone to finish. When I finished the job, I went to use the bathroom upstairs. In the hallway along the way, I heard, like, muffled crying or moaning. 
I froze up and stayed still, thinking maybe a family member had come back. But when I panned around, there was nothing. Then, I saw a picture on the wall of a man with a beard wearing a flannel shirt. Several other pictures in the hallway of other scenarios with the same man were also there. I had not seen a single picture of that man before now, as I had not really been anywhere else in the house. As I was securing the house, closing all windows, locking doors, and shutting off every light, I swear I saw the front curtain move. And I saw a darker than black form in that front window. I have many of these stories written down, in detail, in a journal I started after the first three months of working at this job. I talked to the guys on the cruise and got other strange stories from them, too. Look, I know that some of this could very well be formed from my subconscious mind trying to cope with dramatic situations, but some of this has no explanation. And when I heard other members of my crew tell me their stories, especially when they hadn't been influenced by mine, that's a horse of a different color. In the end, I worked at this place for almost two years of my life. The rest of the crew, the other three guys, have all died. Two from suicides, one from a drug overdose that could have been intentional, but I guess we'll never know. I just know that when these three guys my age, around 20, started this job, we were all normal, well-adjusted young men with no cares in the world other than girls, parties, and working. I watched each one of them slowly be drained of their joy and passion for life. And I know this sounds bad, but each one that died was considerate enough to die in a clean way. Most likely, so that another person wouldn't have to see the horrible things that we all saw so often. You said this is the first story we've had that got you just by reading it. Yeah, it was the first time I read one of these stories and actually kind of got goosebumps. I think it's kind of hard for me to read things that scare me, but this actually freaked me out when I read it. Yeah, it's super creepy and it's... And it's sad, it's bleak. It's really sad and bleak and I think that's what makes it scarier. Yeah. That sense of foreboding and doom the whole time to this story. Yeah. And then you're like, well, maybe things will turn around. No. Mm -hmm. No. Things did not turn around. It ended badly for everyone, which is awful. The job that everyone had in this story like, is not something that I've thought about a lot, even though I've worked on a bunch of true crime projects. Mm. Bioremediation specialists. Yeah. I remember there was that movie. I think it's a kind of a cult horror movie. Uh, it's called Session 9. And it follows like an asbestos cleaning crew working at a mental asylum, um, but it's similarly bleak and dark and foreboding. And I'm reading yeah. that logline too, and it says, tensions rise within an asbestos cleaning crew as they work in an abandoned mental hospital with a horrific past that seems to be coming back. Wow, that does feel like an adaptation of the story. Mm -hmm. It feels like a curse. Like these stories are really good allegories. That's why it's so much scarier than like a haunted house. It's not place-based. It follows you. Yeah, it's that thing of something leaving a mark on you that you can't escape or you can't shake. 
As Patrick Wilson says in The Conjuring, sometimes it's like stepping on gum. Mm. What a beautiful, terrible Mm -hmm. phrase to ruminate on. Simple yet terrifying way to put it. Um, And yeah, I guess this was a bleak one, but... We we need to balance the bleakness. We'll turn it up. We'll turn it up a notch. Even though I'm slightly sick right now. You sound great. Now, a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. <clears throat> I feel like I've taken, I've, I've taken, um. Psilocybin? This. <laughs> no. No, you've been super normal today. My bad. Continue. <laughs> I'm hocked up on, what is it? Sudafed. Is that what I'm taking right now? No, Mucin XD. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> oh, I have a cough drop in my mouth. <laughs> you can't get that sound design off of a website. That's all real. <laughs> all real. Okay. Let's play another story. In 1998, when I was seven years old, my mother, sister, and I moved to a ranch-style duplex in Ohio. I remember when we first moved there being curious as to why there were actual parking spaces with cement parking curbs next to our house instead of a garage. I never ended up asking why, but I always thought it was a strange setup for a house. Right when we moved there, I had an odd feeling in the house. There were multiple twists and turns in the back where the bedrooms were. 
The kitchen was abnormally large for the relatively small house. The actual living areas were a decent size, but oddly shaped and awkward. I just never felt settled, and at the young age of seven, I did not feel comfortable sleeping each night in my bedroom right off of the huge kitchen. I would hear small noises here and there, and one night, my fear was brought to life. I had woken up in the middle of the night and felt scared, with an overwhelming feeling that something or someone was in my room. It took everything in me to get out of my bed and make a winding turn down the hallway to my mother's room, in which I found my sister already sleeping in her bed. I gently woke up my mom and asked if I could sleep in her bed too. She responded by saying that I could sleep on the floor since my sister was already asleep. Feeling relieved and finally at ease, I made a small bed from blankets and pillows at the foot of the bed and fell asleep. About an hour later, asleep on my stomach and face towards the bed, I woke up again. I remember sitting there for a second trying to put together where I was and why. I went to change positions in order to get back to sleep. The minute I lifted my head from the ground, I saw an old man's face, about ten inches from mine, staring at me. To this day, I will never forget the way he looked. His face was pale white, with slightly messy gray hair, and ice blue eyes. The scariest part was that his eyes were wide open to the point where he looked almost as scared as I was. I immediately screamed and slammed my face into the pillow, and both my mother and sister woke up. The lights turned on, I explained the situation to them, and they both just said I was dreaming. The remaining time living in that house, I never saw anything again, but I can't tell you how excited I was when my mom eventually told us that we were moving. Thirteen years later, my mom and I were randomly talking about that house, and I brought up that specific experience. My mom said she remembered the instance, specifically the fear in my scream, and she said she believed me. She told me that she even believed me in the moment, but didn't want to scare her young children by admitting it. At that point, I had written off the experience, since nothing had happened to me since. But I did say to her, I wonder why I saw him. She replied with, Well, you know, that house was an old nursing home. My heart sank. Everything made sense at that point. The parking spaces, the ramp on our front porch instead of stairs, the huge kitchen to feed a facility full of people, the uneasy feeling I got inside the house, and the old man I saw in my mother's room. I'm now 28 years old, and I don't think the look of that man's face will ever leave my mind. Each time I think of that night, I feel scared, but grateful that nothing else happened since. So this story features a literal face in face. How do you feel about that? <laughs> um, the fact that she saw a face in her face, which is yeah, how uh, we say jump scare around here. 
Yep. And uh, yeah, I don't feel good about it. I don't like a face in my face. That's my biggest fear is seeing a face near my face when I don't want to see a face near my face. Yeah. That's my biggest fear after sharks in the pool. Mm-hmm. If you're somehow new around here, <laughs> sharks in the pool is my biggest fear. Then seeing a face in my face. How intrusive. So rude. Honestly, pretty rude. Yeah. The thing she said about um, at the end where she's like, I'll never forget that man's face. That's something that I do think about. I've definitely seen enough horror movies where I can recall certain images and usually their faces because that's what we, you know, respond to or like latch on to most, I think. But they'll never leave me like they've ruined my life like a little bit, you know? Yes. And I'm okay with it. It is what it is. (laughs) But that concept of just like seeing something that'll never leave your brain. You're telling me. That's why I'm like hesitant to watch a lot of horror movies because I just trailers, scary trailers. Mm -hmm. I'll think about them for years. I didn't ask to see that trailer. Yeah. I was just trying to watch 27 Dresses. (laughs) (laughs) Do they do they still do? I feel like they they theme them pretty well to the movie you're saying. That would be pretty, uh, pretty cruel. (laughs) You're right. They probably do. Pretty cruel to show you the Exorcist trailer when you're seeing a rom-com. I'm pretty sure I saw a scary trailer in front of Barbie. No, you said you saw the Exorcist trailer, I think, at Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, right? right? I mean, Oppenheimer's not a horror movie. It's I can kind of see it's like, you know, it's, it's intense. intense. It's yeah. If you saw it at the beginning of Barbie. You're right. They wouldn't do that. I would want to shake the hand of the person who made that decision. <laughs> it's sick. It's a sick decision. Like, yeah. Kudos to you, you sick sick person. Bold. <laughs> Bold. <laughs> And here's another ad. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale and book your free consult today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Um, did you ever used to go to your parents' bedroom when you were having a nightmare? Uh, yes, I did. Let's hear about it. So I had childhood epilepsy, and if I were, if I was worried that one was going to come on, or I did have one, I would go in there, kick my dad out of the bed. <laughs> Bye, dad. Yeah. See ya. Sleep in my twin bed. <laughs> Oh, you had a good dad. Yeah. My dad could not fit in my twin bed. Oh, right. You are long people. 
your family's long people, right? <laughs> long people. <laughs> We're like fairly long people, but actually my mom's not that long. I'm a long person. Yeah, your mom is like, she's above average height, but she's not like tall, tall. She's definitely not tall. Like 5'6"? Yeah. Okay. I was like 5'7"? Maybe. Eh, I think she's 5'6". Five, 5'6 six. Five, six and a quarter. <laughs> I'm going to ask her. Actually, she'll listen to this. Maybe she could just text me. Mom, when you hear this, yeah. just let me know how tall you are. Also, sound off in the comments. Let us know on Instagram. How tall do you think Meredith's mom is? <laughs> I kind of remember when I was younger, like when I was afraid at night, um, I was on the floor above my parents' room. That's where my bedroom was. Okay. And I think there was always kind of like the, do I want to go out there? Do I want to like brave the mm. darkness of the house? So there would be like a little bit of like a revving up to actually get to my parents' room. Like that in and of itself felt like a journey to me. Mm-hmm. Of like having to go by empty rooms and scary shadows and stuff. And you have to walk downstairs, right? Yes, you have to walk downstairs. Oh, no, no. And don't get me started on the coffin-shaped stair. Wait, what's a coffin-shaped stair? There was a coffin-shaped stair in my house. I will send you a picture. What? In my staircase because it's a curved staircase. But it's a shaped like a coffin. Is that common? I don't think so. And so when I was younger, I'd be like, I have to step over the coffin-shaped stair. Right. I mean, it was, I was like, it was Mario. I was, it was an obstacle course. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine like just exiting a room and having to traverse all of that, especially going downstairs. That would be very difficult for me because I still have issues with that, like going up or downstairs in the dark. Whenever I stay with my sister who has a house with stairs and multiple levels, <laughs> I need to do the thing where you like, turn the light on for the stairwell before I turn the light off for the room I'm in. Yes. And then I go up the stairwell, turn the hall light on. The next light on. Before turning the stairwell light off. Mm -hmm. And then get to the room, turn that light on, turn the hall light off, and shut the door. It's a familiar dance. (laughs) Yep. Little game we play. And then if I made it to my parents' room, um, my parents' room also was kind of creepy to me. They have a gigantic war painting in their room. No one likes it. My mom hates it. It's huge. It's an entire wall. And it's a picture of war. What war? I don't know. The Great War? I'm not sure. One of them. An old war. I don't think anyone Do knows. You, when are you from? Don't you call it World War I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm aging myself. Yeah. What era are you from exactly, Meredith? You and your coffin-shaped stairs. <laughs> <laughs> So my mom, my mom chose the painting for my parents' room, a giant painting as well. And it was of two baby angels. Oh, no. Um, (laughs) This is giving like Angela from The Office vibes. Kind of. It was was aesthetically pleasing, I would say, in terms of the painting. In terms of baby angel painting. Yes, yes. And it's it's a classic one, actually. It's like the two baby angels and one of them has... It's hand on its chin. Perfect. But Sounds good. that was one that um, that did not creep me out in the daylight. But at night, because it's faces, it's like these two big faces, I did not want to look at it when I would go in there. Fair. Yeah. The war painting was less scary at night because it was just like cannons exploding in the distance. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
so anyway, that's that's a little bit about the creepy stuff in our homes. But we want to hear <laughs> we want to hear about the creepy stuff in your homes. Mm-hmm. If anyone wants to send us a DM or or respond to any of our posts admitting to some of the creepy things you wish you had not filled your home with or you wish your parents or grandparents had not filled their homes with, we would love to hear about it and we would love to discuss because I think there's more than porcelain doll collections out there. I think some people have some freaky things that they don't want to talk about or maybe they do want to talk about it and all the better. Exactly. Maybe they have uh, some cursed objects, maybe a, a tube television that predicts the future mm. um spooky tchotchkes maybe a haunted piano Ooh, a haunted piano maybe a little wind-up toy that has a spinning mirror and when it stops you see a creepy child behind you did you make that up no three of these things are from the conjuring <laughs> okay i was about to say you are unwell as a person you are deeply unwell <laughs> uh well that's a wrap on this week I'm going to go sleep this off. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye. 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 Did you cut? Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't. (laughs) Rattled and Shook is a Tenderfoot TV production in partnership with Odyssey. Executive producers are Donald Albright and Payne Lindsay. Co-executive producer is Meredith Stedman. Hosted and produced by April Ruha and Meredith Stedman. Lead editor and sound designer is April Ruha. Additional production by Sean Nerney. Production management by Tracy Kaplan and Jordan Foxworthy. Original score by Makeup and Vanity Set. Original art by Puppy Teeth. Follow us on social media at Rattled and Shook. know that science solves crimes. Forensic science is exciting, challenging, and most of all, rewarding work. But there is a shortage of qualified individuals in this field. Hi, I'm Terry with Loyola University of Maryland's Forensic Science Department. Loyola is one of the only colleges in the country offering advanced degrees in forensic pattern analysis and biological forensics. Our courses, taught by forensic experts, feature hands-on training and small class sizes. They are based on real crime scene and forensic examiner training programs to ensure you are ready to make a difference. Our programs are open to students from a variety of academic backgrounds because we believe everyone can contribute to solving crimes. So what are you waiting for? Discover the excitement of forensic science at Loyola University, Maryland. Visit loyola.edu forward slash forensic for more information. That's loyola.edu forward slash forensic because you are ready to make a difference. Join one of Loyola University Maryland's forensic science programs today.